Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So Kat's sitting on milk crates right now. Be- <laughs> I am not. I'm sitting on an ottoman. It's a piece of furniture. It is. Uh, the reason being that she sold a bunch of our furniture on Craigslist and uh, forgot that she was using this chair. So... It went with the desk that I sold. It had to go. I understand. This is very uncomfortable. It's okay. Do you want my chair? Aww. Because Because I'm a gentleman and stuff. Do you want it? No. Good, because I really didn't want to give it up. <laughs> um, theboxofoddities.com is our website. We received this email at curator at the Box of Oddities. I love this. Dear Jethro and Kat. Uh, I just wanted to thank you so much for everything you do. I'm a stay-at-home mom slash online professor, and I always feel as if I'm inviting friends over when I dial up your podcast. Aww. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you guys are the only adult time in a day that I have, and I appreciate so much that you rescue me from listening to Doc McStuffins and Dino Dana. <laughs> I also wanted to uh, share that I might have ruined my daughter with your podcast, Anya is three and a half, and while she's a little chatterbox, she's still learning English. We adopted her from Poland this year. Uh, Anyway, Anya, my mom, and I were on a road trip from Connecticut to North Carolina last week. I downloaded a whole bunch of your uh, Box of Oddity episodes for my mom and I. Anya was playing with her toys in the back seat. Apparently, by listening to your podcast for two days straight, we unknowingly condition Anya. Every time now the word box comes up, she responds with, The Box of Oddities? (laughs) with a little question mark by the way this is from uh rebecca i don't know how i feel about that i mean i'm I'm happy that we're i feel good about it helping her learn english (laughs) but 
but geez, some of the topics that we covered, uh, I hope she doesn't learn some of those words. <laughs> oh, she's going to be well-educated. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca, get Anya near the uh, podcast and uh, have her listen. Okay. Cześć, Anya. Kochamy cię. I hope I did that right. Hello, Anya. We love you. Aww. And then Rebecca goes on to say, just one more aside. I know that you both uh, at some point or another have posited... I wonder what people in the future will think of such and such. As someone trained in archaeology, I can tell you that our go-to answer to something we don't understand is just religious ritual. Yep, always. Yep. yep. <laughs> Thanks again, and keep flying your freak flag. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Anya. Cześć, Anya. Kochamy cię. All right, you go first. What you got for me? <laughs> um. Okay. <clears throat> I remember when I first read about this and I was all, I believe, in the grocery store like this. What? And then uh, I kind of forgot about it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then moved on with my life. Mm -hmm. And then I was rereading more and it caught my attention again. And I'm happy to explore this because I wanted to learn more about it. And this was a great opportunity for me to kind of uh, provide a home for two birds with one birdcage. You, madam, have, uh, you've pegged my interest meters. And I hope I continue to until you die. Aww. All right. Okay. <laughs> How many continents are there? Eight. See, well, that's the thing. There could be eight. Uh-huh. Or there might be five. Okay. Or six or seven. I I'm confused. Exactly. For various reasons... We have been taught different things in different parts of the world and for different reasons, what continents are and what constitutes as a continent. So there's Africa, Antarctica, Europe, Asia, but some people consider Europe and Asia one continent because really it is. North America, South America, but some people consider North and South uh, America okay. one continent gotcha. because it kind of is. Australia and Zealandia. 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 Oh, is that the submerged continent? It is. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's our hidden <laughs> continent. That's our hidden continent song. <laughs> uh -uh. So the Glossary of Geology, which is published by the American Geosciences Institute, defines a continent as, quote, one of the Earth's major land masses, including both dry land and continental shelves. Other characteristics of a continent include <clears throat> areas of land that are elevated in relation to the surrounding ocean floor, mm -hmm. a variety of rock formations, including igneous, metamorphic, and sedimentary, right. a crust that is thicker than those of the surrounding oceanic crusts, and clearly defined boundaries. Recently, some geologists have begun arguing that room for a quote-unquote new continent called Zealandia must be made. This landmass lies off the eastern coast of Australia. New Zealand and a few minor islands are the only peaks of this continent that are above the water. The remaining 94% is submerged beneath the Pacific Ocean. So cool. So it has been described as a continental fragment a microcontinent, a submerged continent, and, of course, a continent. The term Zealandia was coined by a geophysicist 
whose name is Bruce. He has a last <laughs> name also. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1995. At that time, Zealandia was believed to possess three of the four necessary qualities required for continent status. But a recent discovery using satellite technology and gravity maps of the seafloor have revealed that Zealandia is, in fact, a large, unified area fulfilling all four requirements. Now, okay, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself Go. Here. How f- How deeply submerged is it? Do we know? Do you know? Right yes. On, how deep? I think it was about a half mile is like the average. About a half. So that's about 1,600 meters. Mm. The ocean is about 4,000 meters. So it's it's not too, too deep in comparison. No. And you you, you know this by the, the bits of it that are sticking up out of the water. The land masses. There you that, go. I mean, otherwise that would be really terrifying to think of that it was like really deep and then these just large... Sticky spirals of spiky ground. I don't know why that's so creepy to me, but it totally is. Okay, (laughs) scientists have uh, figured out that the landmass broke off from the supercontinent of Gondwanda. Nope, there's no D in there. Gondwana about 100 million years ago. So Pangaea was a, you know, supercontinent, and the part of Pangaea that lies in the northern hemisphere is called. Laurasia, and it includes most of present-day North America, Greenland, Europe, and Asia. Gondwana is the part of Pangaea that lies in the southern hemisphere, and that includes most of present-day South America, Africa, India, Australia, Antarctica, and... Zealandia. Zealandia! So it's got a total area of approximately 4 million... Nope, I'm going to go with miles because that's what I know. It's got a total land. It's got a total area of approximately 1,900,000 square miles. Okay. So that is about uh, just a little over half the size of the Australian continent. Okay. So it's, it's smaller than Australia. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. And the total land area, meaning above water, above water mm-hmm. currently, right, for now is a little over 110,000 square miles. Okay. So you can see that's it's not a lot. Um, of this, New Zealand is the, the majority of that space. Um, then there's the, the mainland nearby islands of New Zealand also. And then there's like Auckland Islands, the Bounty Islands, the Campbell Islands, um, the Chatham Islands. New Caledonia and the islands surrounding it comprise some 7,000 square miles of Zealandia. And then there's also a place called Lord Howe Island, which I would really like to visit, please and thank you. It looks beautiful. Our travel list gets longer every week. (laughs) (laughs) Zealandia was originally thought to have no native land mammal fauna. Um, But in 2006, there was a discovery of a fossil mammal jaw from the Miocene Uh, which is the first geological epoch of the Neogene period. That was about 30 million years ago. And this was found where? On Zealandia, underground. Uh, Underwater ground. Underwater, underground, underwater. Underground, underwater. Oh, wow. I'm getting a a bit of an archaeology. um... An archaeological boner? Yes. Yeah. I am. (laughs) Boner archaeological right yeah because <laughs> of that <laughs> yeah. let me brush that off for you <laughs> okay Ooh. Ooh. 
Um, sorry about that. We really apologize, Anya. Last year, a team of 32 scientists from 12 countries went for a nine-week voyage to study Zealandia. And this was one of the first extensive studies of that region. And they said that their work has already revealed that Zealandia might once have been much closer to land level than previously thought, providing pathways for animals and plants to cross between continents. That is so cool. So there may be things hidden that would indicate how migration of sure, certain animals sure. happened and so, so that particular fossil you said was from the miocene which was 30 million years ago mm-hmm. any indication how long the continent has been submerged well it was thought to have broken off from the supercontinent about a hundred million years ago okay okay um so that in between time i don't know what happened with mm. it i don't know if it kind of like hung out for a while and then <laughs> or yeah, yeah like i don't know it just broke off the main piece and drifted out to sea and slowly sunk <laughs> i'm picturing it like a cartoon like it's all everything can be applied to cartoons in our world right so pulling off of that big continental shelf that go gone wanda gone i keep Feeling like that's where Black Panther's from. Um, <laughs> Gondwana, that caused a thinning of the continental crust, which submerged uh, all but okay. 6% of Zealandia's mass. So, as far as timeline goes, I'm not real sure. I don't understand things once they get past a certain number. Um, I start to get real confused. Like yeah. when you describe things in space to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's far. And then it's like light years. And right. and then I start to get uh, kind of flustered and yeah. hot all up in my chest and face area. And I just need it broken down to like how many Happy Meal boxes is that? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is an international unit of measurement. Right. Or should be. During this uh, exploration, more than 8,000 specimens have been studied and several hundred fossil species have been identified. And that's... That's crazy. It's amazing. That is so fascinating. Yeah. But we know for a fact it was above water 30 million years ago. Correct. God, it's amazing. One of the things, though, that really freaks me out is this. This is the boat that they used... During their exploration. This, by the way, is from earthsky.org, one of the articles that I read. So they have a picture of part of their research facility, which is where the the tools, and I would assume also humans, go into mm-hmm. to go down and explore stuff. Now, you're a tad claustrophobic. <laughs> if you were given the opportunity to do this, would... No! That's horrifying. Isn't that terrifying? It's a hole into the sea. Oh, my God. And so I don't know why that's so scary to me, but I will share this. Um, That's a terrifying photo. It is. (laughs) It is. And it's not like, I mean, if you think logically about what it is, it's just a hole in the bottom of a research facility that leads into water. Mm -hmm. And it's the water that's over Zealandia. So... Obviously, you have to go through the water to get to the submerged part of Sealandia, but this, for some reason, is terrifying to me. So at some point, 
um, you're familiar with the Ring of Fire, the Pacific yes. Pacific Ocean's Ring of Fire, volcanic, um, right, right, sure. um, powerful volcanic eruptions, frequent earthquakes, it, lots mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Ring of Fire is what is thought to have caused the dramatic changes in ocean depth and would would have been what buckled the seabed of Zealandia. Okay, all right. And so it may have actually been more of a slow process than you'd think it would have been. Because well, when... you think of, you know, we were laughing about the cartoon idea, mm-hmm. you know, of it being kind of like... Like a cork comes out of the bottom of the continent. <laughs> right. And water shoots up. <laughs> and then... <laughs> It immediately sinks. Right. But it's a slow process that probably took millions of years. Right. And I guess that's hard to imagine, too, because a continent is very large. And so it should just go, Mm. but that's not how it works. It's like what Carl Sagan said in the old Cosmos show. The universe is an explosion. We're living in an explosion But the explosion, by our perception, is happening happening at such an incredibly slow pace that we don't recognize it. Or we're living at such a fast pace that... Oh, don't I know it. Relatively speaking... Tell me about it, right? (laughs) Smell the roses. But when the the universe is, is what, 14 billion years old and, you know, the average lifespan of... A human these days, what, 80, maybe? From our perspective, yeah, it doesn't seem to be doing anything. But we're living in the middle of an explosion. Yeah. Um, speaking of average lifespans um, and things that are amazing, can we talk just for a moment, and this is going to be a real tangent, but how amazingly beautiful and graceful John McCain's mother is at 106 years 100, old. 106. And she had to, yeah, I mean, it's bad enough you have to bury a child, but I think that would be the worst part about living as long as that, because everybody you know is dead. Yeah, we have no concept of what real time is. There's no way, because time isn't real, really, Mm -hmm. I guess, and it's something that we've really structured to make our lives easier, but it does give you an idea of how little we understand time. Mm -hmm. When you can see just from someone who lives that much longer than the average person and what they must have experienced. eh. Anyway, I'm heartbroken for her. And that's all. Yeah. I know it was a weird tangent. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It was beautifully weird as far as tangents go. It really shouldn't have been the last thing I had about (laughs) Zealandia. But um, no, that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) And you're... Your story on Zealandia with comment on John McCain's mom. Just so beautiful and graceful. Yeah, yeah indeed. Zeal- the whole Zealandia thing is fascinating. I didn't know as much about it as, as you have, uh, have shared, but I had heard about it. And the first thing I thought of was lost civilizations from the past. Now, we all know, we've all heard of Atlantis. Most legends say that Atlantis was located somewhere uh, in the Atlantic um, off the Pillars of Hercules. According to Plato, it was uh, located off the uh, Pillars of Hercules or the uh, Rock of Gibraltar, uh, the Mediterranean. Where and, the alchemist was. Yes, in that direction, exactly. Good book, read it. So good. That's got to go Ooh, on our Goodreads. I'll put it on Goodreads put right on, now. Yeah. 
The Alchemist. Read it. It's great. Man, we're chock full of tangents today. Yeah. What were you saying? Hercules. Uh, yeah, Go. right. No. Yeah. Well, Atlantis in the Atlantic Ocean. But there's also mm. legends and myths of a an advanced civilization that existed in the Pacific called Lemuria or Lemuria. I've heard it both ways. Legend says that that existed and was destroyed before Atlantis was destroyed. And the books that I've read about this place it about where you're saying Zealandia is located. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So here's my question about something like that is when did it, when are our earliest records of human types? You mean as far as written records or geological records? Geological records. Well, for material that I have read, most people put... Ancest modern human ancestors about 200,000 years ago started to um, make its presence known. We can we can date it back that far. Mm -hmm. It just seems unlikely to me that there would have been the ability to pass along the information that there was this civilization. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems unlikely to me that there would have been that kind of communication that would have been unbroken through the time of Zealandia pre-Sinky Sinky. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, and that's of course that's the big snag in the story. Uh but, you know, like Joseph Campbell says, it gets passed on around campfires from generation to generation down through, you know, the millennia. And it's certainly possible. And then there are those who say that uh the records were preserved and kept in places that have yet to be discovered, like Somewhere near the uh, Egyptian pyramids, mm -hmm. uh, there is... In the vent in the ladies' bathroom. Right, that happens. And Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet, said that uh, the records that were saved from the sinking of Atlantis are actually buried between the paws of the Sphinx. And they have determined that there is some sort of an underground structure there, mm -hmm. but the uh, Egyptian... Department of Antiquities won't let anyone dig there. Well, they don't want people ruining their stuff. Yeah, and I can't blame them. No, there have been generations upon generations of people coming and ruining their stuff. We should ask our, our friend Rebecca the, the, that sent us the email. She's an online archaeology professor. She could tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. She must hate everything I say. <laughs> yeah, and probably everything I just said about Atlantis <laughs> and the buried records underneath the Sphinx. Hey, that's just what I heard, okay? And now, the Box of Oddities brings you that thing in the middle. Well, it's no secret for those of you who have headphones, uh, you know that we have pugs. And normally they're in the background of all of our podcasts snortling. And we recently discovered, you did, that a group of pugs is called a grumble. And that's perfect. It's beautiful. And so today, for The Thing in the Middle, we thought we would explore some of the more interesting names for groups of animals. A group of martens is called a richness. That's interesting. Where did that come from, I wonder? It's very regal. It is. Number four, a group of apes known as a shrewdness. Number three... Finches. A group of finches is called a charm. That is so weird. I know, that's why we're talking about it. A group of crows is known as a murder. Now, I wonder if you have a preference to certain groups of crows, if it's your favorite murder of crows. Oh, shit. See what I did? It was a subtle shout out. Shit, 
to our favorite podcast. Nice. Thanks. And number one, a group of salamanders is known as a maelstrom. <laughs> Watch ter- out for that maelstrom of salamanders. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh, here's, this is, I know, this is a bonus one. A group of elk is known as a gang. I just see them standing around on the corner with toothpicks in their mouths, wearing leather jackets, taunting people that go by. Hey, what are you looking at? Haven't you ever seen some antlers? Elk have antlers, don't they? You're listening to the Box of Oddities. It's cool. We won't tell anyone. My friend Erica posted on Facebook, I walked into the kitchen to sing Despacito at Ben, and he stopped me. I need to concentrate on this. I have to pickle these shallots. What has HelloFresh done to my husband? (laughs) (laughs) I immediately was like, oh my gosh, did you also get the creamiest mushroom ravioli and the sweet potato and black bean tacos? And she was like, yes! Yeah. Uh, We subscribe to HelloFresh, and you should too. In fact, a lot of our friends do. For many, many reasons, not the least of which, you can get into a menu rut pretty easily, especially if you have a busy schedule. We've really been living this podcast for the past six months, and we kind of got into a rut for a while with our food. And then HelloFresh came along and offered us so many great, in our case, vegetarian options. You can get vegetarian options if you want. They have all kinds of different options, but we select the vegetarian options, and it just freshens everything up. There are actually three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. You can get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week. It's less than 10 bucks per serving, and it's fresh, it's delicious, and I'm guessing you probably wouldn't make something this good on your own, unless you're some kind of a trained chef. I don't understand how they can get fresh avocados to my house in the mail when I can't pick them out at the grocery store. (laughs) Blows my mind. But all the ingredients come in pre-measured, handy, labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe, and you don't buy more than you need. It's just what you need, nothing more, nothing goes to waste. And I really like the Global Eats option because you know that we like to travel and we spend a great deal of time in Ecuador. I love the food there. This gives us options to sample food from around the world, international dishes and flavors right in our house. But if I'm making food that's not from HelloFresh and I say, hey, what do you want tonight? Inevitably, it will be mac and cheese. Speaking of that rut. (laughs) I'm, I'm not much of a chef myself, although I have mastered the art of boiling hot dogs. Veggie hot dogs. When you boil them, it really brings out the flavor. (laughs) And with it being back to school season, this is an amazing time to bring HelloFresh into your life. Because busy nights of getting the kids to practice and study groups and do you have your saxophone? Oh my God. HelloFresh makes dinner quick and easy with family meals ready in 30 minutes. And right now you can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com, enter the promo code BOX. Yeah, $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com, enter promo code BOX. BOX. BOX delicious food. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. All right, get ready for some dark shit here. (laughs) Just warning you right up front. Okay, good. On the afternoon of June 12th, 1981, a Japanese man named Esi Sagawa walked into the woods outside of Paris, France, carrying two suitcases. He strolled casually to a lake, proceeded to empty the contents into the lake. He was noticed by nearby people who thought, that looks suspicious. 
It wasn't. It wasn't bodies, but it was pieces of bodies. I knew it. Police oh. showed up and arrested him, and he had quite a story to tell. He was a postgraduate student, and he had shot and killed a classmate of his the day before, according to Vice. After eating portions of her body, he tried to dump the corpse in the remote lake. Witnesses saw him and called the police. He was arrested. According to reports, Sagawa uttered the following to the French police who raided his home. Quote, I killed her to eat her flesh. Oh. Yeah. See, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to make this like a feminist thing or anything, but once again, a dude thinking that he just is entitled to have what he wants from a woman. And yeah, this is an extreme case, but so often it's like, I was rejected. I'm going to shoot up a school. I didn't get this. I was catcalling a chick and she rejected me. So I, whatever the, oh, yeah. Dudes, get it together. We're going to get into his reasoning here. Okay, in I'm a sorry. Minute. And I'm no, sorry. It's, it's not too far off of what you're, you're saying, oh. but, but a little bit different. Sagawa was born in uh, April of 1949. He is also known as Pang, as in hunger pang, I guess. I don't know. Don't. No. On June 11th, 1981, this is according to Wikipedia, Sagawa, then 32, invited uh, his classmate, Rene Hartvelt, to dinner at his apartment under the pretext of translating poetry for a school assignment. Mm -hmm. Now, she was a Dutch student studying in Paris. Now, he had planned to kill her and eat her, having selected her for her health and beauty, characteristics that he believed that he lacked. He described himself as weak and ugly, he was, uh, I guess, about four foot nine inches tall, which is 1.4 meters. Claims he wanted to absorb her energy. Yeah, honey, that's not how that works. Mm, it doesn't. Unfortunately, that doesn't. Well, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's not quite that simple. Now, she was uh, 25 years old and about 5'10". He had tried to murder people before this. He had, tr- he had selected women before this. Mostly sex workers who came to his apartment. He would hire a sex worker. She would come to the apartment. You know, they would do the thing. And uh, then when she would be in the bathroom cleaning up, he would get a gun. And he would walk up behind her, point the gun at her head. But then he said, I just couldn't pull the trigger. I I would freeze up. I couldn't do it. So he'd put the gun away. This happened time after time after time. It's gross on so many levels because one, he utilized her services first yes so he was mm, you know i don't like this guy it's official well you're gonna like him even less so i don't know how many sex workers he had pointed a gun at without them knowing and elected to not follow through on his urges right but there were many and he also had invited other classmates up prior to this too with Mm -hmm. similar types of uh results So he invites her up. Same situation. She's getting ready for dinner. She's in the bathroom. She's washing her hands. He points the rifle at the back of her head. Again, he can't do it. Comes very close, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't do it again. He becomes frustrated with himself. He invites her back another time. This time, once she arrives, she began reading poetry at a desk with her back to him. He shoots her in the neck with a rifle. Sagawa later said that he fainted after the shock of shooting her but awoke with the realization that he had to continue to carry out his plan. He raped her corpse, but was unable to bite into her skin, so he left the apartment and bought a butcher knife. For two days, 
Sagawa ate various parts of her body, saving other parts in the refrigerator. He then took what was left over, put the pieces in suitcases, and took her body to the lake. Oh my God, this is so awful. He was seen in the act, arrested by French police. They made him open the suitcases. They did not like what they saw. Now, I'm sorry. I have questions. Yes. Okay. So he was Japanese. Yes. Studying in France. Yes. And he was in college? Postgraduate school. He actually ended up getting his PhD in Paris. I don't understand because he's obviously stunted. Mm -hmm. I mean, you cannot think these things. You cannot have these thoughts. And how can they coincide with someone who can get a PhD? I don't understand how that those two things can live in the same space. It's, it's hard to understand that, but many people who are accused of horrific crimes like this have extremely high intellect. Ted Bundy. Well, yeah, but that's a different kind of... Like, Ted Bundy's was getting his gross needs met. This guy has, like, bizarre mm. thoughts about what those... Actions will bring him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's weird and gross. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah. Sagawa's family was wealthy. His father was very wealthy, provided him with uh, one of the best attorneys he could find Mm -hmm. for his defense. Entitled. He was held for two years awaiting trial. During that time, he was found legally insane and unfit to stand trial by a French judge, who then ordered him held indefinitely in a mental institution. Because of his fancy lawyering, mm-hmm. they got him released to a Japanese hospital to be held there. Mm-hmm. Now, again, he had not been committed of anything other than they had determined that he was insane and unable to, to uh, he was unfit to stand trial. Okay. So the fancy lawyer guy got him transferred to a Japanese hospital. At the Japanese hospital, they determined that he was sane. And And because he hadn't been charged with anything, he he was released. He signed himself out and walked out. No! He is still free to this day. This was in 1986. That's disgusting. I know. Now, the French court documents had been sealed and not released to the Japanese authorities, so they didn't even really know what was going on. He could not be legally detained in Japan, so he just checked himself out on August 12th, 1986 and remains free to this day. Now, of course, his continued freedom has been widely criticized. Well, uh, yeah. However, between 1986 and 97, he was frequently invited to be a guest speaker and commentator. He appeared in films. Ba- I'm sorry, based on his education or? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. He also appeared in uh, sadosexual voyeur films. He has written books about his kill. And profited from them. Yep. He's also written, are you ready for this? No. Restaurant reviews. Yep. For a Japanese magazine called Spa. Gross. But then the word started getting out about him and he can't find work anymore. But oh, I'm looking good. I'm looking at his uh, profile in Wikipedia and under uh, occupation, it says public speaker, actor, writer, commentator, cannibal murderer. That's what it says. Are you kidding me? No. I'm sorry, I just can't help but think that that his frustrations with not being good enough were what he says led him to doing this in the first place. And now he's unemployed and probably is going to have some insecurities bubble up every mm. once in a while. So does that just mean that he's allowed to roam about the Japanese countryside murdering women? No, he's he's found a way to control it. 
In 2011, Vice Magazine actually interviewed him. And in the interview, he says that if he... If he ejaculates frequently, then the urge to kill and eat women is held in control. Yeah. So here's the Vice Magazine interview. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can find it for yourself. But here's his explanation. Here's what he said. I was physically weak from the moment I was born. My legs were so skinny they looked like pencils. It was in the first grade, and again, this is Vice Magazine. It was in the first grade of elementary school when I saw the quivering meat of a male classmate's thighs and suddenly thought, hmm, that looks delicious. But I'm not homosexual. So from around that time I entered junior high school, I became obsessed with the Western actress Grace Kelly, an obsession that lasted right through high school. That was the beginning of my infatuation with Occidental people. Before I knew it, tall, healthy-looking Western women became the trigger for my cannibalistic fantasies. I guess my infatuation with such women stemmed from the fact that I was short and ugly and had an inferiority complex and therefore sought women who were the exact opposite of myself. Eventually, I began feeling a strong desire to bite into them, not to kill them or to eat them per se, but merely to gnaw on their flesh. It was purely a form of sexual desire. It wasn't like I felt like eating someone every time I was hungry. But you know how you tend to feel a stronger sexual desire when you've eaten a full meal? No. No, I, I don't understand that, that at all. That is 100% not it's the case. It's completely the opposite. I am tired and sluggish, and I want you to leave me alone. <laughs> you've made that clear abundantly. I'm chock full of pasta. Back up off me. That's when I'd start feeling the urge to eat a girl after he'd eaten a full meal. It's absurd, right? He says, in essence, it's different from the type of hunger that people experience for food. The cannibalistic urge where I'm going, I want to eat human meat, is a sort of sexual appetite. So if I don't make sure that I ejaculate frequently enough, the desire only gets stronger and stronger. This goes on for freaking pages. No, I can't imagine that anyone would publish that. And I do appreciate a lot of what Vice does, but that just seems so gross. And I can't, like... And it's it's different from the original motive. Like it didn't. He didn't say anything in this article about getting gross powers from someone. It goes on and on and on about that, though. He does. Yeah, yeah. It goes on for friggin' pages. The guys. Yeah. I mean, he stated that it was the opposite of what he was, but I don't understand how he thinks that he would garner powers. I'm not impressed, and I just I can't help but think that. Like like we talked about before, there's that, that sense of entitlement. Like, I want to feel satiated in this way, and so you have to provide me with that. And sometimes that means that you're killing someone, that you're taking someone's life away from them so that you can get your rocks off. And that's just, it's the ultimate gross. It's gross on so many levels. And the fact that he's just walking around. He's just out there. And why would anyone think that was a good idea? Like, even his lawyer. Hello. I mean, you're obviously good at lawyering. Maybe he wants lawyer skills. Are you concerned about your jiggling thighs? When you're defending him in court, maybe wear baggy pants. I'm just saying. Yeah. So there you go. Sorry it was a downer, but uh, sometimes we get a little dark here. No, I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's, you know, people's brains are incredible. It's yep. just that... It's such a a pervasive issue that shows its ugly face on so many levels. Just that that sense of entitlement and it just 
Well, it tends to get me a little jacked up. I understand. It does me as well. My question is, did the magazine who hired him to do restaurant reviews know that he was a cannibal? Was that just kind of a cute idea on their part? Or were they horrified when they found out that their restaurant review guy had killed and eaten a woman? I suppose I've seen worse things for selling magazines. Well, I guess maybe. I'm I'm sure there probably is. But it would be like inviting him to appear on Chopped, you know? That just, that's just wrong. You're trying not to laugh. You're trying so hard. You want to laugh at I want to watch Chopped. Okay. All right. There you go. It's the Box of Oddities, and we love you guys. Thanks for being part of our freak family. We enjoy doing this show for you. We enjoy all the correspondence. We love hearing from you, whether it's uh, email, curator at theboxofoddities.com, whether it's uh, on the Instagrams, the Twitters, or the Facebooks. Speaking of which, uh, sorry about your unfortunate bathroom incident, Jay. I feel you, bro. If you want to know what she's talking about, log on to our Facebook page. The Box of Oddities twice a week. And we'll see you Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freaks. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to, to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True. That is, two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.